Welcome back to the Beautiful Project Podcast, a space for ordinary women to share their extraordinary truths. I'm Sarah Stevens, your host for this podcast, the founder of the Beautiful Project, and I'm also just another woman holed up in physical isolation with her family, trying to figure out how to be present both here and to my community. I came to you last week with a mini episode I titled Spilling Over, and if you didn't get a chance to hear it, I'll just recap it for you here. In times of crisis, women tend to hold it all together. We figure out how to homeschool and host a Zoom meeting. Uh, We pivot our business model. We dust off our old cookbooks and get dinner on the table like six days in a row, which is a feat unto itself. We check on our friends, we send cards and baked goods. I don't know about you, but I also anxiously scroll my newsfeed, desperate for even just a shred of information that might be able to tell me if my family's going to be okay. We tend to hold it all together. And as the weight of this crisis mounts on our back and on our shoulders and in our bodies, it reminds me that while we are extraordinary, we are also people with limits and limitations with personal boundaries that tell us here and no further. Which makes me wonder, maybe what it means to take up space right now is a different. Maybe it isn't about being big in our bodies and our dreams and our ambitions. Maybe right now taking up space isn't about holding it all together at all. Maybe now it's about learning how to spill over. To stop trying so hard and breathing so shallow. Maybe taking up space here is about being brave enough to come undone and tell the story of the undoing so that when it's time, we also know how to find our way back together. And so we're shifting gears here on the project on all the platforms to talk about this part of taking up space. I'm really not at all interested in the victory lap or the silver linings or the choose your mood bullshit. I'm definitely not interested in the just be grateful list. I'm interested in grit and resilience and courage. The stuff it takes to be willing to face the darkness of the bottom so that you know just how bright the light can be when you're back on top. Over the next several weeks, I will be interviewing women I see doing this, demonstrating grit and grieving and admitting that they can't hold it all together, coming undone and reminding all of us that the same is okay in our own worlds. I'm calling this special series The Spilling Stories. I want us to have this record of the time that we spilled over, the time that we learned how to take up space both with our grief and with our greatness. And this is the first interview. I thought I would uh, start in my own home since I can't leave and invite my (laughs) wife to the microphone because we have been doing some serious spilling over in our house this week. So thanks for sitting down back. Thanks for asking me, Sarah. Yeah. Uh, We've sat down a lot of times, like 472 million, it Mm -hmm. feels like. Um, So where I really want to start is I want to check in on you. How are you? Better today. Thank you. You say better today, Mm -hmm. which would tell me that maybe (laughs) it's been a little difficult. So, yeah, yesterday was um, a little dicey. Mm -hmm. Um, It's one of these things where I intellectually understand what's happening. I understand what's happening out there. Mm-hmm. And I even intellectually understand what's happening in here, in, in me. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean you can... That 
doesn't mean I can do anything about that, that I can necessarily or should move Mm it Mm -hmm. um, or avoid it or all the tools, all the skills I sometimes use to make it through the day. And and yesterday, because there's no really, I think because there's no place to hide, kind of, there's Mm -hmm. no, there's not as much work to hide in. There's not, yeah, you know, any of that, that um, I just fell in. Yeah. Talk about spilling over. I literally just fell in. Fell in. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. So that, that imagery is actually really, um, I like that imagery a lot. Yeah. So the spilling over can come from like, is the well full in the first place? Right. Right. Yeah. And then when you jump in, it overflows aside. Yeah. And 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 the difference between diving in, which we talk about all the time in our work. Yeah. And falling in. Yeah. Tell me what the difference is. Well, I think we, I think diving in, diving deep is this intentional movement to go inward, to discover, um, things about ourselves that are going to move us and propel us, you know, forward the, the things that we treasure mm-hmm. or should treasure about us. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, falling in is really losing our footing, slipping on the edge mm. and going in. And we didn't mean to, you know, uh, but here we are. So you, so you found yourself in, let's talk in real. So you and I both speak in metaphor pretty all the time. much all the time. Yeah. Uh, so I want to translate that for the audience into mm-hmm. practical. Mm-hmm. What did falling in feel like to you? So falling into me felt, um, well, it's going to be hard to not talk in metaphor, but um, like, uh, f- first of all, physically being exhausted mm-hmm. and having not done anything physically to to um, kind of cause that, right? It's not like I went out and ran a marathon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I haven't gotten off my couch, so that's certainly not the issue. Um, but but being physically exhausted, and again, not the kind you get when you exert yourself, but the kind you get when you're so emotionally drained that your body said that's enough. Yeah. And, and so just this profound fatigue in my bones, um, and then a matching fatigue in my spirit, I think. Um, just a real sense of... Uh, I don't know that, um, I guess you could say depression, right? Um, maybe I, I, I don't necessarily even have language for it, honestly, but this, just this really heavy heaviness, mm-hmm. um, and tears on the surface. I mean, it was like 24 hour cry fest yes. for me. If you remember since you were here, mm-hmm. um, almost anything could, uh, poke a hole in it and the dam would break, mm-hmm. you know? Um, it's like all the, to stay with the metaphor for a second, it's like the very thing that I had slipped into was now seeping out of me. Mm. Well, that's good too. I like that because of course I love imagery and metaphor. Uh, so just that general fatigue and sense mm-hmm. of, I, so uh, for context, I part of the reason we're having this conversation is because Beck wasn't the only one who slipped in, spilled over that way. I had the same experience on Sunday Gratefully, we didn't have, <laughs> we didn't lose our shit the same day. Because yeah, um, we have children. <laughs> yeah. Which is actually, we're going to get to that part because one of the things that I think is important in this space is to acknowledge that sort of diffuse collective emotional experience that you're describing, mm-hmm. but then understand how it translates to our real situational realities right. while we're right. stuck in the same house. Right. Because, um, and you know, I'm aware that. This is definitely a position of privilege 
to be able to be isolated where we're warm and fed and we have uh, entertainment at our, I mean, all of those things I understand about our position, but I heard this great podcast the other day. It was Brene's new, new podcast. And she talked about how comparing your suffering to other people's suffering actually makes you less empathetic and compassionate. The research is clear. So it doesn't do me any good to go, well, yeah, but I should be grateful because I have it so easy. Mm-hmm. And that isn't going to help either my emotional state or the way I'm connecting back out to the world. So the reality is it's hard in the same house. It's hard in the same house and feel free to, you know, jump in here, correct Mm -hmm. me or whatever. What I'm discovering is the things that we have acknowledged in our relationship as challenges, but, and dealt with in some way, you know, we do it. We spend a lot of time in therapy. We (laughs) we talk a lot. Buying our therapist second home, I'm sure. Yeah. There's just a lot of talking. FYI, lesbian relationships, so much talking. So much talking. And also so much crying. There's so much crying and talking. But um, <laughs> yeah, so so what I'm discovering in this place is that even though I would have told you before that we were dealing with those things head on, that's not true. We were able to leave. And so we would deal with them for a little bit and then we would go our separate ways. Everybody would have a place to go and there's no place to go now. There's no more running. The place to go is toward each other instead of away from each other. That's the only place to go. Yeah. um, And pardon all of our background noises. You know, I've already told you sound quality is going to be trash on these. You're just going to have to adjust. Uh, I think that was a sign from God that that was a very inspired, profound profound comment. (laughs) And you're all very welcome. That's hilarious, actually. Yeah, I didn't even put that little noise in. It was her phone saying, Becky's brilliant. That's what happened. Uh, But she's right. That is exactly what it is. It's the movement toward each other as opposed to that withdrawal that goes, I'm I'm going to stay in my own opinion, bias, whatever, and Mm -hmm. I will protect the peace or tranquility of the collective by just walking away. There's nowhere to walk away to. And I think the other thing, at least in our circumstance, and I don't think it's probably, you know, original to us, but I think, too, when you have children, right, no matter how old they are, probably, Mm -hmm. that they can be the force that moves you toward each other. I mean, again, Mm -hmm. because things come up all the time. Mm -hmm. and, And again, because we're kind of all together in the same place, Mm -hmm. I think that there is a... um, this kind of constant unsurfacing or resurfacing mm-hmm. of things that just happen in the normal every day. That again, if it was just the two of us, we could probably avoid these conversations longer. Sure. You know, it's a bigger house, you know? Yeah. There's no, <laughs> there's no avoiding any of it. No. Um, so What that has looked like, at least for me, I've been, of course, again, looking for metaphor. That's how I operate. And it's felt a little bit like a, you know, like a pressure cooker. Everything is happening very quickly. Um, Or, well, let me, let me rephrase. Our anniversary was a week ago. It literally feels like months ago. Mm -hmm. So uh, long stretches of time. I'm sorry. The weeks feel very long. Yes. Um, as do the days. Mm-hmm. The days also feel very long, but what's happening in them feels like the pressure cooker part. The things are happening mm-hmm. faster than they normally would. Mm-hmm. So 
how that manifested in us was a teenage parenting situation. And I, someday I'm going to find a way or a platform to really tell the truth about teenage parenting. It's not here and it's not today. I think that we have all done ourselves and each other an enormous disservice by protecting our own reputations or what the world thinks of us by not telling the truth about the reality of teenage parenting. I think we could learn so much from each other if we told the truth. But I, I mean, I, I tell the truth to a very small circle of people. But I think there's a collective benefit eventually someday of being able to say, hey, my kid specifically did this dangerous, destructive, illegal thing. And being able to say it without judgment and learn from each other and hold each other up would be, I think, just brilliant someday. But Mm -hmm. today's not that day. So we are dealing with the reality of teenage parenting. Um, with one in this situation, it was one specific child, and it was a series of situations that had kind of been building for months. But again, when we were able to all retreat to separate corners or leave the house, it didn't feel as um, acute. Acute, very good word, yes. But because we were in this situation, there was no escaping. It reached this um, chaotic level, and and I work pretty hard about boundaries and staying out of even my own children's chaos. I try to accompany them in that if they want me to help, but I, I try to stay out of it and I couldn't, I got super hooked really fast. Um, and things got a little batshit crazy for about 24 hours. And, um, and I don't mean that judgmentally. They just were, um, I personally was not operating from space that I normally operate from. I was like Becky talked about, um, fatigued or the, actually the thing I really related to was the tears constantly on the surface. I also spent 24 hours crying on Sunday. I had a hard time sitting at the table and eating dinner. Um, by the time I went to bed, my 14 year old son looked at me and he was like, are you all right? Cause I didn't, I, I just, I didn't even look like myself. I didn't feel like myself. I laid in bed that night and talked about how hopeless everything felt. Now, 24 hours before that, I felt happy and positive and like everything was going to be fine. 24 hours later, I found myself without a shred of hope. Now, I'm a reasonable person. I know that that, and I knew I said that night, I said, as we laid in bed and I said, I feel completely hopeless. I said, this will pass and I know it will pass, but that didn't make it any less real when I was lying in bed next to you that night, mm-hmm. I felt like taking another breath made no sense. Right. Now it's for me, it's four days later. Um, I've had an enormous, uh, resurgence of hope and, um, direction and inspiration and creativity, but I don't think I would have had it had I kept trying to do the same things the same way. Right. So, right. How this translated then, I started to come out of it. And then your worst day was actually, your most difficult day was Tuesday. And then you were a little bit recovered yesterday. Right. Yeah. Right. I've, see, I've lost a day too. <laughs> Don't ask me what the actual date is because I can't tell you. Right. Um, and so the morning of your difficult day, we spent time in bed talking mm-hmm. specifically about this situation. Right. But not just about the situation, about what it meant for ourselves and for each other. Mm-hmm. 
I know that I've spent, and that's our dog in the background. Max is... Um, He's got some allergies. He has <laughs> some allergies. He's making some sort of strange honking noise. It's normal. Do you hear him? It's... No, it's normal, and it's funny. And now he's staring at Becky, which means he's going to bark in just a second. Or he might just die right there. I'm not sure. Okay, we're going to focus. So, oh my God. <laughs> Beck and I have done a ton of work around co-parenting in a blended family with an age difference between us that really, really has translated into... Um, sort of a generational approach to parenting. So she grew up with an approach to parenting that was much different than the way I grew up. And then on top of that, I've shifted a ton as a parent based on my own uh, internal work. But I've been around for 18 years and accustomed to doing that work. And so Beck and I have been, if there's, a, if there's been anything we've worked really hard at, it would be this. I mean, we have, we have not given up on this. And it could have been, and, and some days still feels like it could be, the thing that undoes us. Um, so I, I can tell you that in this situation, we have been at this for a long time. You would think that when in the pressure cooker, we would have just been able to have the skills to navigate it. But what I really discovered is we what this situation made us do is come at the root of the thing. We had to say things to each other that were really, really hard the other day. Um, things like, I mean, I, I talked to her about how I've always perceived uh, a, a low-level sense of judgment from her about everything I do in relationship to the kids and how I feel like I have to choose often between keeping her happy and doing what's right for them. Um, and then she shared things with me. Things like um, not feeling heard mm-hmm. about things that are um, not just uncomfortable, but things that are ultimately in some way painful for me to manage or navigate. Mm-hmm. Um, and a sense of um, really just my that my own personality and the way that 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 shows up in step parenting, you know, mm-hmm. my need to always protect, always want to protect, mostly the children from themselves, really, um, which would then kind of interject me into their lives in ways that they are certainly not accustomed to an adult being, you know, interjected into. Say more about that. What specifically? Well, like? um, I have a... Um, kind of a natural tendency to go, um, I can tell that this is going nowhere good, and so we're just going to not do that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and, and in the process, taking away some of their agency, mm-hmm. um, letting them learn from their own, you know, consequences and, mm-hmm. and just the way their life turns out. Um, and wanting to just and just insert my um, authority um in a way that will is really designed to reduce my own anxiety more than it's designed to actually be helpful for them. Mm. And then on the other side of it, I, I have a hyper focus on relationship and, and I mean hyper focus because yeah, that is what we need, but it's like any, any good thing can also kill a thing like too much water will kill you. Right. So the absence of balance um, for me 
has been not always helpful. And in many ways, I believe that Beck and I together, the blending of those styles where neither one of us loses ourselves in the process actually probably is the best possible style for the kids collectively, you know, because um, it isn't a single parent household. But these are things we've been working on forever, forever for five years. And two days ago, they really came to a head. I mean, to the place that she said, once we got on the other side of the conversation, she said, I was so afraid that I was going to have to leave. And I said, I was, I, I was, I'm still sometimes afraid that I will not be able to reconcile this in a way that allows me to choose both things that I love. Um, and so it was a dark place. It was a very dark place. We have some, it feels better right now. At least it does to me. Oh yeah, for sure. What would you say back about, um, what happened for you going to the bottom of that darkness? How were you able to see a little bit of light again? What was like the shift that you went, oh no, it's going to be okay. That's a really good question. Um, so part of it for me is a need to let myself go all the way to the bottom. You know, I have a tendency to um, let my anger hijack that yeah. process, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're really good at, at saying to me, wow, you're really angry. Do you need to cry? Right. Because that's <laughs> because my anger always covers that up. And I will say no. And then you will just stare at me for three seconds. It'll burst into tears. Thank you for that, by the way. Um <laughs> And so part of it is is moving all of the, you know, intellectual garbage out of the way long enough to let myself, if I'm going to slip in, mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't do me any good to try to struggle to the surface until I've touched the bottom and get, mm-hmm. a, because then you can push off the bottom and get back up, right? But if you don't let yourself get to the bottom where you can actually find your feet there, um, uh, it's hard to know which way is up even, you right. know, because it's so dark and there's... You know, and you can't see very clearly. And so part of it for me is a lot is allowing myself the full sink, you know, mm-hmm. and going, I'm just going to fall apart now. Um, and when I fall apart, I feel like there's no bottom, you know, it, as you sink, it, it doesn't. It doesn't feel like you're like there's a way out of that for sure, except for history. You know, I mean, it's just I know in my own life that, um, you know, sometimes that water, that, that hole is deeper than other times. Mm -hmm. I have always found the bottom and pushed myself back up or found the strength to push up or been pulled, whatever you want to do that. But no, that's brilliant though. Yeah. You got to push off the bottom. Yeah. I think you really do. And so, which means you have to go all the way to the bottom and in the, and find your legs there. Um, which means I think remembering who you are there, um, and then you can push up and, and resurface. And while you're still exhausted, I mean, <laughs> I'm still tired today. And so while you're still exhausted, because that takes a lot of emotional energy and sometimes a lot of physical energy. You know, you cry for a while. You're, that makes you want to sleep for a couple of days. Um, there's something about um, just that movement even back to the surface. You know how you, you kind of start to see the light mm-hmm. glaring off the top of the water kind of mm-hmm. image. Um and even if you, when you're not all the way there, you know you're going to get there. 
Mm-hmm. And then that kind of, um, I actually, I think, releases more of the dead weight so you can float to the, the rest of the way to the top. Mm. Did you guys listen to her just own the shit out of that metaphor? I mean, <laughs> holy shit. I can't do any better than that at all. Um, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's this article going around that I really appreciate very much. It, the, the headline oh. is um, that discomfort you're feeling, it's grief. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, grief is, in so many ways, grief is grief is grief is grief is grief, right? So mm-hmm. the situation, the circumstance... This for me has been like drawing, um, drawing venom out of a wound that I couldn't have. I don't know that I could have gotten to without the extreme circumstance that mm-hmm. that feels extreme to me right now. Mm-hmm. It required that focus and that that hyper focus on it's not going anywhere to be able to draw out because when I get to that place, it's not even about this anymore. It's not even about the deal with a teenager or the, the difficulty with my wife. I mean, when I said I was felt hopeless, I meant the whole damn thing. I was starting to look forward at my fear around what happens to us financially, my fear around what happens to the people I love financially, physically. I mean, then it just snowballs. Mm-hmm. Right. You bet. Um, and I think the solution is to not stop. I mean, like you said, there is a bottom. I, I've said for ages that part of how we shrink in our bodies is that we believe there's no bottom to our appetite. Right. And that's also true for our grief. Always. And our depression. Yes. And our anger. Yes. And, you know, all of those things. I think our natural tendency is to go, if I fall in, if I let myself fall in, right. I will never get out. And the truth is... For most of us. Yeah, that's an important clarification. For most of us, mm-hmm. we do get out, but it also often happens with a lifeline or with um, someone standing on the surface and calling our name mm-hmm. so we know which way is up. Yep. You know, and we can move back toward the surface. Um, and so it's really, I think that the important thing is to know who your people are that will stand on the edge and call your name. Hmm. Because that's what you need. It isn't that we need to not let ourselves slip all the way in. Because the thing is, um, that thing we do where we try to control whether we're going to fall in or not, all it does is delay. I mean, we can't really control that. Well, no, and it's like standing on the edge of anything. Uh, You have that gnawing feeling in the pit of your stomach. Like, it's anxiety. It's Mm -hmm cortisol flooding it's all the things like while you're teetering on the edge you're like oh my god i'm gonna fall in fuck it just fall in yeah seriously fall in there is a bottom because nothing gets better standing on the edge you don't get better till you get wet Hmm. guys i can't get her out of metaphor but it's so damn good (laughs) i don't even care So I hope that you are as much a metaphor junkie as I am. You probably are if you're here with me because I speak in it all the time. But the reason why it's so powerful is because there's so much truth in it. And I think the metaphor allows it to apply to your circumstances Mm -hmm. in any way you see fit. You don't have to have a um, situation with a difficult teenager. Uh, She's not a difficult teenager. I'm sorry. 
You don't need to have a difficult, a difficult situation, situation with, with a, a teenager. teenager. Thank you. Yeah. God. Um, you don't have to uh, be fighting about the same things. You don't have to be avoiding the same things. None of that matters. What matters is the collective experience that our reality is different, drastically different, almost overnight. We didn't have time to prepare. We didn't have weeks to think about what this would be like. We've just had to respond. In so many ways, what I've watched happen is the most beautiful, collective, supportive, connected response. We feel surrounded by the people who love us, who we love back. The thing I really want uh, to stick from what Becky shared today is know your people. Uh, Find the people, make sure they're at the edge right? So that you have the lifeline so they can show you which way is up. Thank you for spending your time with us today. I am hopeful that the spilling stories are going to both piece together um, what we survived, but also bring you the wisdom of how we survived it. If you know a woman who you see sort of um, demonstrating this grit and uh, surviving grief and resilience, make sure you send her to me. I can interview anyone virtually. So I am wide open to suggestions for those gritty, grief-filled, badass, spilling over women who are um, probably 15 steps ahead of me in this work in the world. I want to bring them to you. I want to bring their stories to you. So send them to me. First, send them this podcast and then tell them what you see in them. The way that you see them leaning into this idea that their grief can be used in the service of their greatness. Tell them how you see their grit and their resilience and their courage. And then let them tell their story here. As always, if you loved today's episode, make sure that you leave us a rating and a review so that other people can find us. I hope to have you all back with us very, very soon. Stay safe and stay well.